Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to keep us positive, to make this a little fun, we are going to turn this episode into a drinking game. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anytime we say anything negative at all, anything negative at all, if that juju is out in the universe, we're going to hit this sound. Is that better? That sound was that, means... Was that Q on? With that, yeah, that was a good cue. That sound means that we have to take a drink, and we hope you drink along with us. So, pour yourselves a glass. We're going to talk about a movie that sugarcoats the fuck out of the seventies. Oh, come <laughs> on! That's where you're going. I love, I love the insight Ooh. that David. <sighs> People, we're talking about. Are you there, God? It's me, talking about, talking Margaret. About. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Is that your Kathy Bates? What is that? That was a weird. No, you did a weird. I don't know what Excellent. that was, but yeah. the worst talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm blaming John for that. Uh, guys, sure. I'm actually very excited to talk to you about this movie. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, based on the Judy Bloom novel of the same name from 1970, which kicked off a string of successful novels by Judy Bloom. I know because I did look at Wikipedia before this episode started. Wouldn't but you I had heard freak the name if Judy- you just picked up the phone and went, yeah, g'day, Margaret, uh, what can I do? I had heard all, so, of all these books. Got Australian, I, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I heard a lot about Judy Bloom, and I've, I've been. She's been out uh, on the interview trail, and and I've been loving listening to her talk. Um, How old know, we, is she now? Eighty-two, I think. It gets political though, because it, I feel like she's now, for whatever uh, reason, maybe again, this is just the media. She's getting paired in with um, the the Handmaid's Tale author. Um, can somebody please uh, remind Atwood? me? So I don't feel like an asshole. Um, uh, yeah, Margaret, Margaret Atwood. Atwood. Margaret yeah. Atwood? So, so basically, like all of these things they said, you know, normal everyday things are now at risk nowadays for instance i don't know roe versus wade being overturned when you just wanted a book from the 1970 where people talk about things you know that happened to actual people and such doesn't necessarily happen in this movie but we're talking about are you there god it's me margaret this film has been <laughs> adapted both the screenplay and the direction by kelly freeman craig who you may know from The Edge of 17 which was her first directorial feature which was fucking great i watched it this week for research Nice. I still cool. have not seen it. I haven't Before, either. I think I'm gonna now. I think you saw it. Didn't you see that when it came out? Or because I thought you perks of being a wallflower and that I, one. I thought you perks. liked both of them. I all. love perks. Um, I might have pretended to have seen this movie, uh, that movie, yeah. uh, <laughs> for the sake of for the sake of casual conversation, keeping things moving. Well, there's a there's a really should have seen that by now candidate. Yeah, for me. I didn't want to I didn't want to kill the buzz of the people that were excited to talk about this movie with me. So I played along for like 30 seconds, let them you know get it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen it this week and it's a fantastic movie. Edge of 17. Anyway, hey guys, so remember that time I faked that. seeing Parasite for a whole year? Um, I oh. did. Yeah, but we, we, we got the best of you because we talked about it. Go through our feed, people. We talked about a lot of good movies here on the podcast. We also have a YouTube channel. Dave set up a link tree with all of our socials. There's a phone number in there so you can text or call us if you would like. Uh, we have coasters with our names and our image on them, which Dave still hasn't sent to the West Coast because he thought I was yeah, going to do it, yeah, even though Dave owns one. them. <laughs> Dave has them. He thinks oh, I'm sending them. It's here. a fun conundrum with us here at the episode. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we try to keep it spoiler-free for about 10 minutes or so. At the end of the episode, we're going to give you our recommendations, what we've been watching, what we think about things that are going on. We are in the midst of the writer strike, but the content keeps coming because it's Emmy dump season, even though the Tonys basically just got canceled and the Emmys very well might as well. 
Emmy season is still upon us, so we'll give you our recommendations of what we've been watching. And we go through our gripes of the week where we talk shit about whatever we want to get us drinking since this is a drinking podcast. And on this here movie episode, we might not be getting buzzed a lot. I have a feeling we all like this movie, which means we got to get our buzz count in early. But we'll keep it spoiler free for a couple minutes. If you are desperate to get to our review and our conversation, go ahead and scoot along about 10 minutes or so and we'll catch up with you then. Gentlemen, anything, any news you want to share before we get into our gripes? No. No. No, I think uh, I think the news has handled it well. We don't need to reiterate anything. Um, we continue to stand with the writers, of course. Um, yeah. I did find out today, actually, with the, uh, the AI thing, um, there are agencies. There are agencies now recruiting actors to sell their image, like they scan them and create an AI version of them, and that they can generate movies with that AI version of them. And the actor gets seventy five cents on the dollar. That'll never last. Yeah. So it's kind of it's like <laughs> you you can be a male actor and experience what being a female actor is like. Except you're not experiencing your... <laughs> no, you're getting 75 cents on the dollar. The new sentient version of you is experiencing it. I see what you That was deep. Did. Sorry, that was deep. We're getting political. Uh, We're getting political. Women's rights. Um, what a great joke to make at the beginning of this movie conversation. We should, we should also say... Um, for our book reading friends, Dave's wife is a book reader. You saw it with her. Hopefully she has signed off on some insights that you can give us since I know she um, is not going to be on this here episode, but hopefully you can say something she said without disparaging your family. Um, she certainly didn't say what she said expert. after the Green Knight, so. Well, you kind of did, but anyway. It's a um, low bar. As <laughs> a low bar. She, yeah, anyway, we like the Green Knight. Not the Green Knight, the movie. Teresa's yeah. uh, opinion on that was not was not Based on the adaptation, having loved... The, um, I think it's a poem. doesn't matter. The tale. Anyway. Um, so we're going to be talking about Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. My only gripe is this. This is my only gripe. I have a mini gripe. So you can go ahead and, and hit All the right, alarm. Hit the timer because I think it's important. This is happening in New York and I'm sure it's happening in LA too. Guys, so Bed Bath & Beyond is closed because basically Amazon's taking over the world. So if I want to go out and get razors or toothbrushes or floss or anything, I go to CVS or Dwayne Reed or Walgreens like a normal human being. The only problem is, you might not know this about New York from the news, but violent crime is actually way down. I know that there's some crazy stories going on in the news, but in, in truth, the violent crime is going way down. Petty crime, is way up. I was in a lens crafters and I saw somebody come in and just swipe a bunch of lens frames and run and a security guard chased them out. And I was like, can I just get my eye exam? It was really fucked up. But I just Dwayne Reed, these run places- Run straight into a fucking pole because they're not wearing the glasses. I wish, but they were very good thieves. Anyway, my moral of the story is Dwayne Reed, CBS, they lock everything up now and it makes it a fucking nightmare oh, to go yeah. anywhere. And the employees, no disrespect to them, they didn't know they were in the service industry, but the employees are nowhere to be found. You have to buzz, you wait, and it's terrible guys these these companies just have to accept that if they are now in the service industry if they're going to lock everything up and we need personal shoppers with a key to because I, I if i get my deodorant i don't want to sit there and be like can you follow me around because i might want some aftershave over here or some lotion over here or some te- toothbrushes over here but like at the same time i'm not going to buy them if i have to get them all separately and they're all locked up so i'm going to go on amazon the very company that is putting all of these fucking companies out of business so please please just either be like mcdonald's where you go up and you give your order on the screen and then somebody brings it to you which again is not what their job was but it might be what it has to be yeah. or we have personal shoppers which again sounds shitty it sounds classist but otherwise amazon's swallowing them up whole and they got to do something about it now and that's all that's my great there you go and it went over i'm sorry 
Nailed it. <laughs> nope, I totally agree. I was in Target the other day and could not find anyone pressing that fucking button. Please press to get an assistant. I would be numb to it. We worked at shampoo. We worked in we worked in restaurants. The sound of the restaurant, I very carefully was like, "Don't remember this. It will only haunt your dreams." So I tuned it out. If I worked there, I would tune that fucking sound out. I would hear it and I would go, "Somebody else. It's somebody else's job. It's not mine." Yeah, no, I totally agree. Come on. Yep. We should probably also say stop robbing these places, petty criminals. Yes, but yes, yes, yeah. yes. They're, we should hold not, them accountable first, I guess. But. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah. 100% true, 100% true. Yeah, we're not blaming the employees. Wanna, it is the petty criminals that are causing this problem. You have to, you have to face reality. But yeah, not, really on the, yeah. not really on the, a true gripe, but I did just want to comment. You guys, somebody shared these, you know, lots of wonderful memes and posts going around about the white writer's strike, a they bunch of funny jokes and stuff, you know. No, no, it's not really a crap. I just wanted to bring it up. That 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 the one that y'all sent last week. One of you sent it. It was at the end of somebody's post saying, "Since the writer strike had begun, within like a oh, week, yeah. the the stock shares for the you know the collective yeah. money like from the, the stock shares of each of the major streaming companies had dipped ten billion dollars." Yeah, this is what we said. Yeah, it's what everybody's been saying. But yeah, we said that. basically it was enough, said, to, it was enough, to, was pay enough the, to pay. Give the demands for twenty for. Uh, for five years, the last I think. 25 yeah. years, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 25 years. And now, it's just, it really they, is they'll just say, like They'll a, say once I get a deal, it'll go right back up, but I think that's bullshit. Um, yeah, I mean, and, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that. I just feel like there's a, if there's anything else you guys heard money-wise, I haven't heard of any furthering in the conversation from some inside sources. I know I know anyone who, out, but, anyone who shut down production, it's costing them at least 100000 a day. Oh, uh, that's one of the numbers oh, yeah. that's come out. Well, I'm, yeah, saying, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this, but... Just living here, I think I'm going to be able to observe a decline in the local economy. I, I, I yeah. think I'm going to be able to watch it over the next summer and maybe into the fall. Hopefully yeah, not. They gave good. a very word on this. I didn't go to the commencement, but the people who just graduated above me at the the school I go to here in Los Angeles um, never they heard had of a uh, they had a, a pretty large producer team. Um, that you all know that we're talking to them, and apparently they ended up not on purpose, I don't think, giving kind of a morose commencement address about the state of the industry and like graduating into it right now and how many unknowns there are. And I don't think that was their intent, but everyone was kind of joking about how negative the speeches were. And I don't want to say who those people were, but I, yeah. I thought that was, uh, it is, that tone is in the air in this town right now. I don't know if it's mm. that way in New York or not, but it's well, weird. Some, somebody well, called it like, this is if uh, like the AI thing isn't nipped in the bud, this is the last time industrial action will actually work. Industrial Indu action? Like indus industrial action, yeah. It won't work if you stop production in the future because they'll just let the AI do it. Oh, sure. Maybe. Like, Maybe. So they won't have as much leverage unless they can get that reined in now because everyone's just going yee-haw and jumping on the AI bus. Anyway. Fuck the AI does, bus. Yeah. Also, in one bit of positive news, because these stock prices are going down and I have not read this anywhere, but this is my bold prediction. This is not investment Time advice. Time no, to buy? Is this no, yeah? no, 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 no. We are not at the dip yet. We are still on the downslope. We are not at the dip. But don't, don't Jeff, buy tell our yet. listeners when it's time. Let's let's get arrested. No, yeah. no, no. No, here's what I'm saying. They're not going to crack down on passwords. They're not going to because what's going to happen? No, I'm serious because what's going to happen? This is what happens. As You're soon as they totally crack down right. on passwords, they need the numbers up. their yeah. fucking viewership numbers are yeah. going to be cut in half. You're going to have people just stop paying. And yep. that is the last thing they want is their viewership numbers going down and the actual revenue that they get from subscriptions. Those numbers they think are going to be unchanged, but 
they might actually go down too. And that is the last thing their stock price needs right now. So they're just going to keep living in this limbo where they say they're going to crack down on... They've been, they've been saying that forever. Apparently, they've been testing it out. I've seen people put images in certain markets. They are not going to crack that down because what's going to end up happening is awesome movies like this one we just saw, they're going to be the only content you can have in about three or four months. So they're all going to be available for rent and people, you can't rent them on Netflix. So people are going to cancel their Netflix subscription and rent this from fucking Amazon. Who's going to put Netflix yeah, out of totally business right. the way they put Bed Bath & Beyond out of business and the way they're going to put fucking Dwayne Reed and CBS and all these other places that can't fucking get with the times out of business. And they're then so you can, good though, dude. They bought MGM and the people running that company now. They bought a stu they bought a studio yeah. that knows how yeah. to release films. Yeah. Like they're they're it is a good business, I mean, dude. It's fucking it, annoying it, that they're the, so good at the, it. The but they're just watching, watching, they got a hold of the James Bond good. franchise. The first thing they're doing is a fucking reality TV show. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, I, Jeff, agree I don't think with, you're I agree wrong. With you, but it's negative. I think you're right, dude. I think there maybe in a couple months, each of us are going to only be able to afford like two of them. And then we're just going to describe the movies we've watched to each other because eventually I do think they are going to have to crack down. Like, there's no way they're going to be able to survive as we talked about yeah. last time. Just get roommates. Get roommates. They're starting to merge like crazy. Like Paramount Corporate Plus is merging with Showtime by the end of the year, yeah. and they're adding it to two dollars or something. And oh, FX and Hulu, both. yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, FX and Hulu are going to. I think Hulu and Disney they're are merging, but only for the purpose of like you can but open. Disney already kind of yeah. owns them. Right? No, but it's it's for the purpose of you only have to use one app. You don't have to go to the Hulu app to get oh. your Hulu stuff. It's only for so people who have both already. So what is my Disney bundle? Is that going to be affected? I thought Hulu was like for for Disney subscribers who also want to see the nudity. That's what I thought Hulu was it's in their sports. model. It, it is. And, and, and their Hulu Live. But Disney's also dropping nudity now. I mean, I'm pretty sure Deadpool's going in the MCU collection when it happens. That's really fun. Yeah, right? Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. All right, people. Whatever weird shit stay tuned folks yeah. Stay yeah. Tuned. it is now officially it is officially time for us to get into our episode are you there god it's me margaret um i'm gonna do the longer description because i think this movie merits it i'm gonna make it up as we go because i'm from new jersey and i live in the upper west side did they say upper west side they're on the west side of the city for sure i just don't know if it's upper west or if it's like west village or something where they live with the grandma I got West Village vibes from it, but it might be up. I did side. get Village vibes of those yeah. tight shots of that street, but it but seems there's a lot of tree line culturally that they would live on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Jewish yes. family living with the Friends. family, and it, it felt like the grandmother was living there for a long time too. And yeah, it just seemed like the there right are, neighborhood. But I'm not there sure. are some village feeling streets up there. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a burp's coming. Sorry, I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um. This movie essentially takes place over the course of the sixth grade year of Margaret's life. It's our character, Margaret, who's played brilliantly by the actor Abby Ryder Forston. Um, and she gets home from camp. It's Fortson. She gets home from camp. <laughs> Fortson. <laughs> Guys, I hear, I heard you. <laughs> it's Fortson. <laughs> Our, our, listeners, Simon. our listeners are well informed, okay? <laughs> she gets home from camp after her summer after fifth grade going into sixth grade, and her parents said, hey, 
we got the promotion. We're moving to New Jersey. And of course, there's a couple of New Jersey, you know, digs that I expect, I come to expect as a native of New Jersey. I expect them. And so she can't believe she's going to have to find new friends in New Jersey. And she does, but it's essentially, it's a coming of age story. So there's a lot of um, very female, very mom, daughter uh, conversations and um, girls at that age, you know, essentially entering that next phase of their life going on in this movie and it's beautiful and brilliant and in a way that apparently Julie, Judy Bloom, when she wrote the novel, this was like a monumental piece of literature for a lot of people. Um, and they made a brilliant movie with now Rachel McAdams playing the mom, Barbara Simon, in a more outsized role than was apparently in the novel. And Kathy Bates playing the grandma who stays in New York, who essentially <laughs> loses this family. Obviously, they're still pretty close, but they're not living together anymore. Um, and the granddaughter-grandma relationship. So happy Mother's Day to everybody. We actually, yeah, after Bo is afraid, Day. after Bo is afraid, we have a good <laughs> fucking, we finally have a good mother-child relationship. Why did they not release Bo is Afraid <laughs> oh this my weekend? Gosh. That is so funny. They totally should have done There's that. There's so yeah. many problematic parent-child issues that directors are working through in their movies, but this one is pretty, pretty, pretty nuanced but also very true and very loving so yes and then benny safty of course plays the father we should also add that this is um largely about religion hence the title but not in a way of like conversion or like what religion's about necessarily but actually kind yeah. of different we'll in touch, the sense we, that yeah the, we'll touch on that later that well I, the premise i don't mind saying is that the daughter um because the dad is jewish and the mom is not the daughter is in this limbo which many people find themselves in, and their parents actually let her choose so i'll just leave it at that as our you know brief spoiler um, that she is sort of between two oceans regarding religion. And now I will leave the IMDb, IMDb description and then I'll pass Good it off word. to you for our initial takeaways, thoughts. What'd you think? What'd you feel? Again, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. When her family moves from the city of to the suburbs. Fuck, man, I already messed this up. Oh, here you go, huh? When her family you moves... messed a lot up, honestly. <laughs> You've ruined I got the Christmas, gist. I got the gist. I got the gist. <laughs> and Hanukkah. When when her family moves from the city to the suburbs, 11-year-old Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginnings of adolescence. Friends, spoiler-free, initial takeaways, what'd you think? What did you feel of? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'll go. I'll Get go. It. I saw this uh, Friday, Friday evening. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie, you guys. It is exactly what it says it is. You know, this movie, I don't know about Dave, if it echoed as loudly in Australia. I don't know if Judy Bloom reached, but I mean, I grew up hearing about her novels. Like it was just a part of the, the coming of age zeitgeist for that age group, you know, young adult reading and stuff. Um, it did. So I, feel I like hadn't this heard was, of it till this. Yeah, sure. I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. Um, but I had never read it. And so going into it, I had, I had some good expectations. I heard good things about this movie, but there's two main things I want to take away from this. One, this is the kind of secret sauce movie that I think podcasts like us love discussing. It's not a giant franchise. It's a really well-made story. It's the kind of movie that is independently produced and doesn't really get made very much anymore. I'm shocked that this did not go straight to a streaming service. And I mean that with the utmost respect, I'm so glad that it came into the theater because I had a wonderful theater experience it was mostly women sitting around me. Elizabeth and I went and I heard so many great responses, audible responses to different parts of this movie. And, you know, a lot of this is a young woman's experience. So I'm not necessarily I'm totally present. I'm enjoying myself. I didn't have these shared experiences, you know, 
taken my family life education. I, I, I know the birds and the bees, but it was great listening to women feel like they were being reflected. So without it being a part of a film that is so wrapped up in the virtue signaling of feminism and stuff. And I don't mean to sound critical about that. This was just so earnestly, sincerely, a personal subjective story. And within that specificity, all that messaging came through and I was able to just watch it. Um, second point I want to make is that it may be an extending, like you said, Rachel McAdams' presence. Um, this film ended up having a lot of familial themes that really resonated with me. It may have helped that this was literally shot in my backyard. They shot this where I'm from in Charlotte and the town, literally Concord, where I'm from. There were what? multiple places where I was like, that's my childhood. That's my childhood. So there was a lot of- I was of the wondering, I was like, this doesn't look like New Jersey, but anyway. Oh boy, I was like, <laughs> I, there were multiple times where Elizabeth ah, and Elizabeth were, were from the same town. And we were like, oh my God, it's the, oh my God, it's the- Yeah, um, it looked like it to so me, I don't they, go like, there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you went through there once. You, you came through there once before we went to the mountain house. <laughs> but anyway, it just made me think, uh, there were a lot of wonderful themes about family that were really touching to me. It made me kind of- I have not had this feeling in a very long time, but it made me kind of yearn for the suburbs. Like I yeah. kind of forgot what that felt like. I thought it captured that childhood transient period where you're still very much a kid. You're still playing outside and stuff and going over to your friend's houses down the street, but you're beginning to address young adulthood. And I thought that it was, I thought it was handled very well in a very non-flashy way. This is just so what it is. The editing is... Finish your thought. Yeah, enjoy it. I enjoy it. I was just gonna say it's um there's nothing super artsy or or you know representative about this movie. It is A to Z. You're gonna watch it play out in real time. You're gonna go on a little journey with this young woman. And if you have a heart, I think you'll probably enjoy it. I have two uh, two ears and a heart, don't I? Uh Dave. <laughs> Do you like I'm making you a mixtape? Do you like Phil Collins? I've got two ears and a heart, don't I? <laughs> Jesus. Why did I get buzzed? Fuck you, Dave. Laugh when we're making a 30 Rock reference. Okay, sorry. I've never seen Back it. Back to you, Dave. I uh, they, they were referring to this as a perfect movie. It's been hailed as a perfect movie in reviews. And wow. I have to I have wow. to agree they might be right. Um, there is there's there's not a bit out of place in this. Like it is shot perfectly. The music is great. The sound is great. The the performances are phenomenal. I think the reason this is getting a cinema run is because it might have some Oscar clout. Oh, um, that'd like, be great, wouldn't it? It absolutely would. Like this is this is one of those films. Like yeah. I knew a little bit about it, and I went in, and I sat down, and I just went along for the ride. And it <clears> it <throat> never tries to do too much. It never takes you further than you want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But oh my god, my audience was almost as funny as some of the hilarious parts of the movie because some of my audience were damn <laughs> yeah. triggered. By what was going on? Yeah, I saw this at ten fifteen in the morning, and it was like I'd say the theater was half full. Like Good. Lincoln Center community represented came out and see this thing. So, uh, yeah, because I, I didn't go to AMC Times Square because, uh, yeah, we didn't have time for another story this week. But, it, made, uh, it made 16, it made 16, five this weekend. That's a pretty damn we should, good opening. Yeah. We should, we should punch in Dave, not to cut you off, but this is also the third weekend it's been out. Yeah. Now it's probably been in limited release, but in New York, oh, it came, excuse out, me. It came yeah. out on April 28th. So this movie's, been out and we both we all saw it this weekend and word it's still of mouth playing. is why we saw it 
to word of mouth marketing. Sorry, Dave, keep going. Yeah, no, um, that's that's all I have to say. I love this. I thought it was great. Um, it spoke to me. Uh, you, I cut you off with the gush just as you were mentioning editing. Tell me anyone else that can fucking edit an entire summer in 60 seconds. Summer. Yeah, dude, that opening, it was and so it was lovely. It, wasn't, it, was like, it was absolutely that brilliant. That summer, yeah. that's what it feels this like. What somehow, and then you go home and get yanked <laughs> by real life. And it, it's, yeah, almost it was, like, it's almost like the memory. Because you know when you're a kid, summers feel like forever, right? It's yeah. like an endless summer, right? But there was something so gorgeous about just cramming the essential elements of what she went through. And then I love the juxtaposition of, wait, this city girl is... Is it a summer camp up in New Hampshire or wherever? And then she's back in the city. Like I liked it. That kind of threw us for a second too. That she wasn't scared of going into like a place that doesn't have hot, tall buildings. She was yeah. scared of just the change of the social change. Yeah. I appreciated that I so mean, much. I, I moved around as a kid in the seventies a lot um, from about the age of ten, and I, like I grew up in the one town uh, till that point, and then suddenly I found myself in a city, and like my town had a population of like. 2100 people or something at the time so i went Holy from that to a shit, city dude. oh that's wow. and that's uh wild. yeah and so i like that resonated with me like going the opposite way um and it it's like that change and like i, I got told once in uh school that i had to change schools because we were moving to a different suburb and it was outside that school zone and i oh. threw a fucking fit dude, dude. i'm so like, sorry so dude. i like i i recognize every piece of like feeling that she went through it, it all worked out i made some great fans it was all fun stuff but at the time and this is the other point i'd like to make is like this the stakes in this aren't worldwide the stakes in, well except to the main characters because everything that is happening to them is a huge deal but from a global perspective it's so tiny and contained it's like does this boy like me will will i get my period all that sort of thing and it like when will like when will it happen and it's so but those things are monumentally huge to like a girl who's you know that's what matters when you're that yeah i, and, I completely but agree they, that. and that can turn your life on a dime like i look back on that now and i'm like yeah i went to another school so what i meet people all the time but at the time i fucking freaked out so like from that level this really resonated with me but like yeah, the, the stakes in this are very very personal and I think that's what carries it through because you're on a, you're on a ride and they do it so well, and like yeah, if, man, and I think if they cast any, if they cast anyone else in this movie, I think I would have been furious. Wonderful, yeah, wonderful. Oh, the whole cast. We're gonna we're gonna celebrate the shit out of them. Yeah. I'm sure after we get past we can, spoilers, but I feel like we can actually put spoilers off for a little bit because I you know there's just there's plenty to talk about before we get into it. But I would say sure. I of course I I second every second and third every single thing you're saying i think they do just just to get us started i'll say two things number one is you can tell you could tell that the writer director you know it's one person now that you're listening to this podcast but even if you didn't you could tell the stakes were high for them not because of any outside influence but because they it was high for them because of what this story meant it, you just you could tell that they really meant every single thing in this you could tell that they lost sleep over editing the family reunion scene that I'll leave until spoilers. Mm. You could tell they probably spent a month of their life like sweating over, should we put more in? Should we put less in? Like, what's the right amount? You could tell that everything about this, they wanted people leaving this theater, having those kinds of conversations. They wanted people like in our audience going, seeing this with their kids or without their kids and wishing they saw it with their kids. Um, you could tell that the director and writer thought this not for selfish reasons like i hope that for me because i want to make that kind of movie that they would like but because they want the story 
they, they just want to be the vessel to get the story yeah. across that mattered to them you can you um, can tell when someone loves their material like when they're they're yeah. doing what they want to do and it's it's great and exactly. it all like snaps together and that and, that heart is there and look there's a lot of filmmakers that want that too and, and don't quite succeed um this one does this one just does every in every single possible way what the second it out thing the is park. Um, I'll say two things. Number one is uh, this is going to be a douchey filmy thing that we heard on this part. I think John actually said this, this Scorsese quote again, douchey, but um, the most specific is the most universal. I feel like this movie is so relatable to everybody Dave, That was very unexpected. It's actually James said. Joyce. If we're going to be really douchey about it. Okay, cool. Is that right? Within the specific lives the universal, but uh, okay. yes, please. Just make sure you, you do an affectation. Yeah, make sure you do an affectation to your voice. <laughs> Let me get the patches, my Dave, elbow how did, patches. How did Dave buzz us both? Dave buzz us both at the same time. Yeah, I have, I have buttons that do that. <laughs> you have a John and Jeff buzz button? Yeah. Um, and I'll just use one example. And, and I know we are, by the way, just so you know, we are very aware that we are three grown men talking about this coming of age female movie. We totally understand that. Um, but again, everybody's sure. gonna relate to it in a million yeah. different ways. Yeah. The specifics of this, they didn't just make a joke about, oh, there's always that one girl in whatever who blank. When they said like, she's the girl who in fourth grade had to wear a bra, it's like, it's it's so universal and, and and but they do it in such a way that's not just like I bet you everybody can relate to this. They do it in such a way that's like, isn't it shitty that everybody knows somebody that had to deal with that? And we're gonna have fun because we are kids telling this story, but we want to be very clear that like we know that it's too bad. We know that it's too bad that this has to be that way. And we are gonna get into the weeds and the nuance of this. And I I I felt like I I could just sit back and learn while relating to yeah, this in a way that really like i don't with with many other movies because again and i and and i felt like such an asshole because a name came to my head where i was like i know that person and i remember that name and i don't know anything about them anymore <laughs> but i remember that you know what i mean and it's like this is their yeah, fucking yeah. legacy how fucked up is that and and again reading the judy bloom or hearing about people who read the judy bloom books this is in every single page so back to the director and writer it's like she said, and Judy, and Judy Bloom was 32 when she wrote this book. So obviously she was probably relating oh, to the mom more so at this point, you know, in 1970. Um, but you could tell that this director who also now has a kid, it's like, this is the kind of shit that never gets discussed because, it, you know, with movies, with plot and all these different things, I'm going to talk about Ted Lasso later, just, you know, trying to get too much in, we cut corners and, and people don't talk to each other the way that they would talk in real life. And it just, it sounds like lawyers wrote a script. She was like, I'm getting into this. I'm not shying away from fucking anything. She had these kids doing stuff that I went, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I watched, um, and I really love um, um, Pen15 which is essentially two great comedic actresses who wrote a script that they were like, we can't possibly let kids do this. We, we can't let kids do this. So we're going to play 12 just because we, we can't let kids do these things that we're going to ask of them. And obviously they, they didn't do that in this movie because it's still appropriate, but they, they kind of push the boundaries in a way that's like, I bet you it's going to mean so much to kids. I hope so. And I hope it means a lot yeah, to parents so. where they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're not going to shy away from this. You know, there's always a risk that it's too much or too far, but like, let's see how these kids actually talk to each other. Let's see them curse. Let's see them, you know, go through adolescence together and talk about the things that they would actually talk about. And it was, again, actually, I just was, sat it back was and very, just, it was very light on the cursing. Well, it, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, and also touching on that as well, like we touched earlier about how they haven't forced her to take on a religion despite being two different religions themselves. Um, and like the fact that 
they deal with like she goes and experiences these things but even that wasn't heavy-handed it was like this is just you experience yeah. or you almost experience it from her perspective and she doesn't yeah. understand it either so it's it's like i don't i don't know for some reason that related as such a light touch but yeah. exactly what this movie needed well and that's why i got to keep praising the director because the director did the edge of 17 and admitted like started getting sent stuff because people were like oh you get stuff that that other people just don't get in this the industry yeah, yeah. yeah and so and so got this script and went oh shit I remember reading this book as a child, reread the book, said, oh my God, how am I going to do this, et cetera, and went through that stuff. Can you can you imagine some somebody that just got this script? Can you can you imagine them just sending this? There were certain people that got this that just didn't deserve that. You know what I mean? To have yeah. that responsibility, yeah. to have that opportunity, and to to be so to have such a meaningful piece come out of this, but also let it be fresh and revealing. Like you gotta you gotta praise this director to high heaven. I mean, Kelly I can't Freeman Craig is definitely gonna be one to watch. I can't believe she pulled it off. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. Look, like, it's let's, always, let's, re- get... let's remake it and have her direct the kids' scenes. Remake everything. Give her anything <laughs> yeah. she wants to do. Really. This is this is wild. The the, it was the really, way they I mean, communicated just... with each other. I don't know if I've seen that sort of truth in casual conversation while also being stylized and being all the other things that it is. You just don't see that every day. It was it was so refreshing, and and a lot of the reason I think we're we're saying that listeners is because of the lack of of spectacle that goes into so much filmmaking nowadays. This all her only paintbrushes and tools were production design, cinematography, and dialogue with actors. Like right. that that was it was just like old school storytelling, which is you know all you're going to expect from a you know a movie like this, but. The, the earnestness, the the truth that she was able to get out of these performances, the and I mean this, I'm going to put this in quotes, the way they use it in early childhood development, the play that yeah. came off the screen, the genuine play, the the life that she was able to capture. It was really, oh it was really remarkable for coming yeah. out of such a small space, tiny little specific tale of this young girl coming of age. And Jeff, you were saying earlier, I just feel like it's the reason we you can almost judge a coming of age film on its success on whether or not its protagonist, which starts with the writing, its protagonist is allowed to look at things like the girl who had to wear the bra in fourth grade without judgment initially, so that we can figure out and remember what it felt like to figure out and determine for ourselves if we did or did not have any judgment for these people as they learn, as they enter our lexicon of experience when we're very little. And I just feel like she and, she did such a great job with this. To, for that specific example, again, not to keep harping on this one particular scenario that might be tough for other people to hear. This specific, you couldn't. T- I couldn't tell if the the lead of our movie, Margaret, was jealous of that girl, or is so thankful that she's not that girl. You know what I mean? There's so Absolutely, much nuance. Man. Probably a little bit of both, right? You know. And, and, and back, this back movie- to with, Back to what Dave was saying, because all that stuff I imagine was on the page, but once you put it on a movie, it's harder to run from it. It's harder yeah. just to let people's imaginations run with this. So like you get that Nancy character doing, that Nancy character is perfect and to set toe, but it's like, that's yeah. it. They see, when you see it, it's like, it's hard to, to, you can't talk your way out of it anymore. That's it. Yeah. In the shot. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Quick shout out to the teacher it, too. Uh, Echo Callum. Yeah, he was uh, Callum, sorry. Yeah, what a cool name, dude. Yeah, Echo. I yeah. saw that at the end. I was yeah. like, what a sweet uh, well, name. He's actually got a long history with DC, actually. He was in the uh, Arrow series and I think Legends of Tomorrow series oh, as well. I thought I saw him. I saw oh, a little yeah. cool, oh, okay, dude. That's cool. Mr. Benedict. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. To, in this role, he was perfect. Yeah. I, uh, 
I just want to put it, I don't know if, I mean, again, this was kind of a surreal viewing experience for me. Like I grew up in the town where they filmed this fucking movie and <laughs> my dad is from I Turkey. Thought, I, th- he I was... thought I did until uh, I saw it and I went, oh, no, no, that's not no you did. Yeah. <laughs> my dad was, my dad is from Turkey, was raised Muslim. My mom was from the South United States, raised Christian, neither kind of like this movie, neither of them are practicing. So I kind of grew up in a similar household where you were kind of like, you can choose one day if you want touch your foot in this water, that water, Jewish cousins. I'm probably atheist now. <laughs> like you, you come from all these places. I mean, if you listen to some of our episodes, so I he's loved definitely what... atheist now. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, we cut that real juicy part. No, know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the intent is still there. <laughs> I'm buzzing all of us for all of that. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But I really, I agree with you, Dave, about how they. That episode they is still one of our most downloaded handled... episodes, by the way. God, so, we are because we are wasted. Yeah. I'm still, confu- I'm still confused broke. about your take, Dave. But anyway, sorry, John. If you're bored now, I hope you're not bored. But if you are, just go scroll back and listen to the no episode. <laughs> no, Dave, I just wanted to agree with you, dude. That they the way they handled the religious exposures and because they are like just barely touching it. Yeah, there was the a good you know entertaining humor. Um, the experience was organic and genuine. Like I felt like each of them was a pretty not satirical representation of each of them and um each of her church going experiences yeah. or temple going experiences or baptist black church going experiences um and yet they served a purpose for her to just be able to f- keep moving forward in her personal private mental and emotional story of are these making a difference or not that's yeah, it was, really it was all literally it was, that's the thing it was literally like a checklist it's like i i didn't feel it here i didn't feel it here i love it when she went to the the gospel church and she was yeah. like I don't know if I feel it, but I'm having a good time. But I'm yeah. fucking having a great fucking time. Yeah, that was lovely. And I love yeah. the I love the hard cut into that. Yeah, I was hoping we don't need to show her putting on a hat or anything. Let's I just was go. kind of hoping she would say, I found it. <laughs> that's I found, the yeah, one I know she was like, this is it. This is it. But it yeah. all built for me. And maybe spoiler alert right now, because sure, let's turn this because I'm just going okay, to refer to the, the great line. Lights on. Yeah, we're going to the spoilers. Go tell your family and friends to see this movie. It's fantastic. It's not, I mean, it's not going to ruin anything. Don't Maybe wait to rent it. Go see movie. it in the theater. Go, yeah, go support yeah, the yeah, theaters. Okay, it's going to be great to rent, of course, but I just watched Air for the second time and it was better than the theater. Go see it. It's great. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah, go see it in the theater. Go to the theater as much as you can. I am seeing it's a good quarter two. This was, yeah, I can't say it enough how <laughs> pleasant it was to see a movie like this on the big screen. Um, With a group, but yeah. I, I mean, there's all that story of the religious thing. This It's almost like a B story to her A story, which is navigating social hierarchies uh-huh. and her growing up and beginning to realize you know with her within that social hierarchy that there are certain touchstones to becoming a woman and one of them is getting your period you know getting a bra your bus size i mean all of these kissing things are boy. in the a story the b story <laughs> if it's the kissing a boy yeah the yeah. boy book that was that was lovely um the such a great. difference I, between I that and the facebook the story isn't it that. guys oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Guys are terrible. <laughs> the, way they, the way we fucking made. Uh, anyway, we didn't do that. I love the portrayal. But, sorry, of sorry, the sorry, let me just finish yeah, this yeah, fucking point. Ahead, ahead, I was just saying that the way it built, the way that B story with the religion kind of built, the way it came, because I, I never read the book. So the way it came back to the A story by her realizing, I keep, li- I keep looking and listening for you everywhere, but all I ever hear is me. And I just, that touched me so hard. And maybe it's because I kind of come from a similar philosophical place. I grew up in a religious area and didn't really know where I belonged, but I thought it was so great structurally. And I don't know who to credit for that. Kelly Freeman Craig, 
or Judy Bloom for when that gets reintroduced into the third yeah. act of her tale, because the way it kind of it landed at the perfect point where all her world was starting to crumble. And I just thought that that was just such a lovely structural thing within screenplay writing to bring it in then. Cause I could see that in the novel, maybe coming later where she kind of has an epiphany later after the fact, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch on that. I thought they wrapped it up so well. Yeah, they really did. And I mean, let's uh, talk about the casting. Oh my God. Uh, Kathy Bates could not have been better if she wanted to. I can't believe Which is it. a sentence that could be so said much. in everything, everything she's ever been yeah, right? in. She just, but, yeah, but it's, yes. it's like, it's like yes, oh, is Kathy, is... is Kathy on today? Yes, Kathy's on today. Like, Dude, she was so, from the very first, from that very first, she was like, I'm, does that mean I'm never going to see grandma again? And it cussed her and she's like, you're never going to see me again. That's yeah. so funny. She's, the whole thing. Like, grandma, you said you, were, you said you weren't going to say anything. And she was like, yeah. She figured it out. <laughs> yeah. If I go, if I, I think my favorite line of hers was when they're getting in bed and they're going to see she goes, and if you hear any, or, you know, that's just. Yeah, it's not me, you're dreaming. <laughs> Although okay, she just what? she slept sitting up, like everything about it was brilliant. Oh god, the eye mask was fantastic. <laughs> I'm getting another beer, Dave. Um, I can't wait to listen to this in the morning. Okay, okay cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Jeff can't. Um, no, yeah, uh, that fucking <laughs> Benny Safdie, I want to say, um, yeah, as as the father, like played a a limited role, but when he when he was on screen, he was just gold. Like he yeah, was he was. Well, like the the thing where he's like, "Oh, I haven't paid the lawnmower guy. If you want to take the the money out," and they're both having a little laugh because, like, they know this is a moment for her. And it's like it it was such it was such an inspiring like again to to twist it back to that it was such an inspiring portrayal of parents who are cohesive and like supportive and they remember what it's like to be a kid. Yeah, I, I want to give Jeff. We're talking about Benny. Yeah, Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie is in a movie that's this not out. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I want to point this out that and I mean this with with I only mean this as a positive. So I hope nobody takes it as a negative. But this is a, a novel written by a woman, a screenplay, and a in a movie written and directed by a woman. And starring I found three it so women, yeah. touching. Starring these women, I found it so touching that a less complex role like the dad. I thought they nailed the way that maybe young women see their father. Like if he, if he's a good person, hopefully that it was, it wasn't, he, we did not know what was going on inside his head, inside his heart for, you know, in past a certain surface level. And it didn't bother me at all. It was so touching just to know that he was something that you could count on in her world that was changing around her. Her mom was definitely, you know, we'll talk about Rachel McAdams in a second, but it was great to just see Benny, I just want the to say guy that, who was the catalyst yeah. for why they had the move was just a good person and was kind of this this uh this constant. She didn't go to her dad to have any challenging conversations. Her dad and her dad never changed her. Her dad was her dad. And it, I just I just really appreciated the way that they created a what may be seen as a two-dimensional character to end up having so much earnestness you know, behind you it. Know Again, what, you like know that's what really, young women see what really made, turned me on a dime where I, where I was like they were having the argument about the how she wrote to her parents and the parents were now coming. And he's like, you realize yeah. these are the people who hated me. And they got, they started to get into an argument. I'm like, Oh, okay. Here comes the conflict. And then he literally just put his head on her forehead on her forehead and went, Oh, they're your parents. And that was the end of the fight. Like he understood completely. He was, he was pissed off, but he got under control 
like it was because he was pissed off with the past stuff and it's none of it's her fault and he just acknowledged that and i was like that's what it could have been like like, jesus (laughs) my childhood (laughs) obviously i missed it by a decade john uh, (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine like she was 10 in 1970 or 11 in 1970 i was 11 in 1982 yeah we had very different experiences yeah yeah, sure. Well, it's like, yeah, the eighties were a fucking those tarnage. Jersey suburbs. They're not a. They're not the Sopranos Jersey. <laughs> what did Kathy Bates say about the tall buildings across the Hudson and the and the cafes with the the, the Gambino shootouts yeah, yeah. or the mobster shootouts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Josh, so I thought Benny really nailed it. Um, let's just let's just stick with the adults so we can get to these wonderful children. <laughs> yeah. Do not ever use that sound clip. <laughs> uh, Rachel, I, as a, anyone who's in sure, sure, sure. anyone who's in my generation, millennial, mid mid millennial, Rachel McAdams played a, you know, she was somebody who came about, you know, as I was coming of age in my adolescence with Notebook and Slings and Arrows and. It was just so lovely. And I do crashers. not think Rachel McAdams has had the career that I thought she was going to have. No, because nobody, I think nobody all thinks of that. us. Yeah, I think that's true. And I don't know why, and I don't want to get into the weeds, but I think she's a tremendous actor. And it was just so lovely seeing her take a role like this, which, again, as Jeff said, may have been inflated because of her star power. But No, no, it was the other way around. It was the other way around. They cast her because they wanted star power. Okay, okay, good. Well, they, they, yeah. Jeff, we have touched on this before, but sometimes the quality of an actor can be seen on how willing they are, how giving they are, how altruistic they are, how alley-oop they are to their scene partners. And she was working with young people most of the time. Sometimes it was Benny, but it was usually Margaret Simon's character, you know, Abby Redder Forston's. And I just saw her trying to just support the fuck out of everybody she was in a scene with every single time she was making it about them. I, I used to teach this in, in my classes all the time. The answer, every single thing you're looking for as an actor is in your scene partner. It exists right. inside of them. Find it to them, give it to them. And I just cannot believe how selfless she was in this film. From yep. A to fucking Z. When she stepped out of the bathroom at the end, and like, I don't know why I'm crying, you know, when she finally got <laughs> yeah. the period and yeah, kind of yeah, steps yeah, outside. Yeah. Like, yes, she does. And she does know, but it's like the right thing her, to say. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it never, be, it could have been like, and now we're going to go outside. And we're going to have this big giant moment with the mom who breaks down. Nope. Yeah. That was part, could, partially a directorial moment, but also Rachel played it down because it, it wasn't her story, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like it, you caught it in her face. Like she's like, well, you don't need me. And she steps outside the door and there was that moment where she went, she doesn't need me, but that's okay. And you caught it's that okay. in her face. That's a good what thing. What a mom, dude. Yeah. yeah. Mother's Day, I, dude. Mother, yeah. Hey, cheers, guys. Cheers to Rachel McAdams. Yeah. The best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She nailed it. So Rachel McAdams is, is is really fun for our generation because she came out. The hot chick, we don't really count, but she was technically in it. And then she was in Mean Girls oh, yeah. and The Notebook oh, yeah. in the same year. And and in Mean Girls, she plays Regina George. And yes, she looks a little old, but she, it was, she was perfect. But The Notebook, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the audition tape she did for The Notebook, but it, it, she was ready to go. Like, she was ready to film. Yeah. She was so alive. And then she does Red Eye with, um, is that Shia the next year? She just, you're right, John, sings and arrows over this whole time because she's from Canada. Wedding Crashers, The Family Stone. She's dating Ryan Gosling. You know, she's in all this shit. And then you get this whole list of movies. Yeah, there's some Sherlock Holmes and Midnight in Paris and things in there. But a lot of these, like... Was she in Kiss, it, Kiss, it, Bang, Bang? If 
I don't think so. I don't think okay. that was her. No. Oh, okay. And then eventually Southpaw, the True Detective, whatever that, whatever happened to that South, that True Detective year. And then the ones that, not oh, Doctor yeah. Strange, not Game Night, the ones that really stick out are like Spotlight, where she's in a similar position as now, where she essentially said, I just need to give you everything. Because that's what she did in The Notebook. You know, I'm not to give Ryan Gosling too much credit, but like she just, she had her conundrum, but she just put that off to the side and said, I'm here, you're there. We, why can't we connect? And she let it go. Same thing with Wedding Crashers. She had her internal struggle and then she let Christopher Walken and she let Owen Wilson <laughs> fuck her up. Like she let she let them get to her and that's what she did. But she, she's she been, I, I would honestly say she's been struggling to break through as this leading actor, this this next Sally Field, this next Meryl Streep that we all thought she could be. And it's not necessarily her fault. The movies weren't hitting. And I do feel like some of the performances weren't as alive as what we were used to. There was too much work. There, it just it just didn't, whatever we saw on the screen wasn't, I imagine. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing, is, the thing is though, like if you see Rachel McAdams on the credit list, you know exactly who that is. But 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 the, yeah, here, this is the thing. This is the thing with her though, is because she has this potential to be completely subversive. So she could also just do her job and be an actress yeah. that needs to do this. Which I think some of those movies, that's what they wanted, and that's what they edited together. Maybe she gave yeah, them better. It's like yeah, they is edited it together. Or is it directing like. But then you see this movie, and I love this. I I I read a book where the person talked about trying to be pretend like they didn't care. And was trying to explain in hindsight they understood that's just what they wanted to convey so in trying to come across like they didn't care they were actually working twice as hard as the people who it seemed like they were trying to be a certain way if that makes sense and this mm. movie i think one thing that this nuance that worked so well for her is she was completely selfless i don't do i don't denigrate anything that you just said but at the same time she also found this sweet spot where she was pretending to be the carefree mom, but she cared about everything, every yeah. single thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even those little scenes, like, you just got home, I wanna hear about your day. Okay, go off and run along with your friend. She didn't sulk and make it seem like it was the most painful thing ever that her daughter didn't wanna to talk to her, but she also didn't overact the scene. But in truth, she acted like a mom would, which is you make a decision in the moment, okay, well, you got to go see your friend. You got to be popular. You have a life. You need to do this. And then you know she's going to be thinking about it for the next three hours. And that's probably what a lot of moms would do. And you you got that every second she was on the screen. I mean, to be honest, she was perfect. She was perfect in this movie. If it was any more, it would be yeah. too much. If it was any less, it would be enough. All right, no, bring it on. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. I mean, we stand Very by well it. We said. all stand by it. We can, we can gush all three of us for that, to be honest. Very well said. Yeah. Um, and then the kids, I don't, I mean, I just, oh it's my just God. perfect casting. Yeah. It was just, it was just like a really lovely group. I'm sure they went through their chemistry reads and stuff, but whenever the girls were in a room together, I was just excited to laugh and hear something, you know, again, just being a man, like hear something that I had never talked about when I was 11 or whatever, and just get their perspective on it. I really liked how they handled I really liked how they handled the Wheeler household. Like I knew that family. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Feel like I knew that family. Yeah. And the the screaming and the yelling and the, the brother bashing in and the, <laughs> well, and the and the parents giving those looks that the parents give where they like oh, they know okay, the daughter just wants to talk to the boy and then they look at each other. Just quickly, like, while we're talking about the differences between between households, can we talk about like the response when um was it Nancy? Nancy Wheeler, uh, yeah, Nancy Wheeler. Nancy, yeah. Nancy got a period to the response 
when Margaret got her period. Like the difference, yeah. the different in parenting between that was catastrophically huge. Like, yeah. Uh, one of them completely is- freaked out because she didn't feel supported by her parents. And the other one's and like, the- well, I've been prepping for this for two months. And the mom is like a separate yeah, mom. Been, and, and, and then, of course, the, which again, I guess we'll give it to Judy Bloom, but the buildup into that sequence of the lie that she had and never that. needing to say it. Then, use your, use your, use your medium, use your visual medium. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it. I got Just it. The postcards. It. I told oh them, my yeah, God. Yeah. It was, because, and, and, and here's one thing that, that women have been talking about for centuries. Like if only Donald Trump had to go through this, can you imagine <laughs> Nancy Wheeler is the coolest 11 year old in the world. And obviously, you know, the story we were in spoilers. So obviously we know that that's not true. She, but she is like kind of a future Regina George, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you say that yeah. this Nancy Wheeler character, she's the cool, th- that whole opening scene, we, we, we shouldn't quote it on here because I don't want the sound bites out there, but like what they're talking about is so true to the point where it was like, I, I could, I almost couldn't believe that they did it in the movie with that, the first sequence where she's getting changed. Yeah. Why don't you get changed? Yeah. Get about the boobs. Yeah. They're yeah, talking yeah, about, like... and they're, they're talking about growing and stuff. And it's like, Oh my God. She's the coolest. She seems like the coolest 11th grader at the time. The book, everybody else is falling in line. And then she lies about this. And then that vulnerability. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful that it's like heartbreaking. It's hard to talk about how, how sincere and incredible that scene was from this character who's supposed to be not an anti-hero, of course, but like just such a specific, unique character. That's like, is she going to be a bully? Is she going to be the cool girl? Is she going to be the prom yeah. queen? Like, what what is going to happen to this person in the future? And it's like we don't need to worry about that. She's just a regular kid going through regular. I like shit. I like that they kept now. that as well from Margaret's perspective. It's like we thought she was okay, and they were all having fun. And then when Margaret realized it was a lie that she sent her that postcard, um, and she started not liking her as much, we started to see that character be more of and a bully. Was- and it pulls off the dance. Yeah. And yeah. then the dance at the end, it was like, I don't need to try to impress her. It's, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Sorry, John, what were you going to say? Just to, again, this is probably for Judy Bloom, but the, the there seems to be like a, a pattern of good protagonists and coming of age stories. Like, like what if this story was from Nancy Wheeler's perspective? You know, it's, oh, the total it's, difference. Like you gotta, <laughs> it's total difference, right? Like the, the children, and we all know the kids who did this around us. And we probably did a little bit ourselves as you're coming up there are certain people who pretended more than others that they knew the answers already. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just, there was something so it seems essential to have that supporting almost foil to a protagonist in a coming of age so that you can allow your protagonist to be the one who is unsure or hearing it for the first time kind of thing. But that genuine, the way that Abby Ryder Forston, Fortson, I did it too, played, and I'm sure it was directed this way, but played her, it was never one dimensional when she would hear Nancy say something like about boobs or boys or periods or whatever, new information. And she, it was we never one dimensional in her, like so. it was never shock only or giddiness yeah. only or fear only. It seems like she was kind of like, am I supposed to know that yet? And there was just something so in, inviting. I feel like about their dynamic, because unlike maybe a future high school version where a character like Nancy Wheeler, like Regina, or what's her name? Regina George. Wheel, uh, George. Wheel, <laughs> Regina George is kind Not of waiting for you to. What? Regina George is fucking Mean Girls, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so why are you questioning? Uh, you're being. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I don't remember what I was saying. I think I think I was saying just that unlike the high school movie version, which is another great subversion of coming of age stuff, this character by by setting in middle school at this at this age group, even Nancy Wheeler was willing to let her figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Like th there was never the I'm going to ruin your life scene between the two of them uh, yeah. oh, at yeah. a period in front of her. And like, we saw her vulnerable, her big arc kind of came to a head right there. And the next scene wasn't, if you tell anybody, I'll fucking kill you no, right. the way it would have been in high school, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Like, so I, I loved the, it. There's something very, very whole, specific I, about I, this age group. I love that whole, I'm sorry, God, but I hate this. I hate this. I hate the, that whole rant straight yeah. after that. That was, that was yeah. amazing. Oh, her little tantrum coming home, which was not a tantrum at all. Like yeah. that, I hope if I ever have children, that's their tantrum. Slamming <laughs> a couple doors yeah. and just being like, "Oh, I'm so mad! I'm going to scream inside my head." I hope that's I hope that's the worst it ever gets in my house. But I, again, even though that's not how I I reacted when I was that age, I'm sure it was much worse. Oh, I fucking resonated with it so hard. That yeah. little montage cut of her coming home and then just going in her house, slam, slam screaming into your pillow mom and dad don't get it you know fuck the world kind of thing like it's just it was just it was totally on point yep i did that last week <laughs> sure yeah you know what else we should say too they made a good they made two really good decisions number one they got han zimmer to do the score and what I, the I sh fuck how did they i should I say that yeah. i should say this because han zimmer you know it's he's he's become like too famous of a of uh, in a role that is meant to be understated. There were no pizzicato strings in this entire script. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is, and Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer's like first movie was Rain Man, so it's it shouldn't be too surprising. But and he does all the Nancy Myers under, movies. He it, does a lot of hers. Oh, cool. So like these kind of more whimsical. It was un, yeah. is understated the score, but it, I'm Very sure. Understated. I just watched an episode of Bridgerton. I don't want to talk about it, but somebody said I love you and literally cue music like on that, and I was like, get the fuck out of here, like. Hans would have been yeah, better about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But you also had the cinematographer, I believe his name is Tim Ives, who is nominated for three Emmys, two of which were for Stranger Things. He directed the series Aww. premiere of Stranger Things, the, the season one finale of Stranger Things. He season directed one, it? No, sorry, sorry, cinematographer. Yeah. Okay. He shot season two. Uh, open, um, Which is really funny because if you look at some of the younger cast, some of them have credits in the first season of Stranger Things. And so maybe there's something to do there, but just to yeah. sit there and be like, be like, should we film things a certain way? Because it, like, I don't know, whatever that must've worked just to have that. There were some really good choices made in the cinematography as well. Like just oh. shifts in angles, shifts in movement or non-movement. Um, it's just, just kid yeah. talking to adult. Like, do we need different angles and stuff that yeah, maybe, no. but like when it, when it went full, like turmoil, there was, there was some spins. There was some, a little bit to disorient you and stuff like that. It was, it was all like and everything. The, flash, the the flashier stuff like that, quotes, uh, th that was magnificent. But I think I was most impressed by how comfortable they were. There were a lot of group scenes, so how comfortable they were sitting back on their wides. Yeah. Or yeah. Their, their wider shots and letting Love multiple that. people play within a scene. The production, again, like just the way they lit and produced all the, the, the scenery, you felt like you were there. Like uh, It's just so simple, traditional filmmaking that can clearly still be really effective. I want to shout out... Um, apparently Kelly Freeman Craig somehow at some point got kind of taken under the wing a little bit or started working and collaborating with 
uh, James L. Brooks's company who produced this, Gracie yeah. Films. I have I that logo and came up at the start. And I'm like, I have not seen that since like the, 90s television. The Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. That's it. Like, I, no, but I did the same thing. I know you're in the middle of a thought, but as soon as I heard that, no, the shit is first, bro. He goes first. I know. I went, what the fuck is this? Why am I in the 90s? And then guess what? I rewatched The Edge of 17, and it starts with. Da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And it's the Simpsons. I mean, it looks like it was just going to dude. All AMC theaters should start with that. Shh. Like, the nostalgia <laughs> that it would peak in me is like, I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm in. I mean, yeah, just to show you that, like, somebody who has been affiliated with amazing things like broadcast news, terms of endearment, as good as it gets, a million other things that he produced, like The Simpsons and stuff. This guy knows talent. And he doesn't just know talent, he yeah. knows he puts his weight has put his weight in his time. You know, he's an older man now behind stories like this that are smaller insulated stories about actors talking to actors with good scene work, good writing. Let's not, we don't have to do anything else. And he can, he's proven that he can win awards. I'm just saying, I just think it's really what a wonderful sign for her to know that this man is clearly wanted to be a part of her supporting her career and believes in her projects. I mean, what else do you need to know? I, you said it at the beginning, but I just don't think we can say it enough. I think she is going to be someone to watch. Oh, yeah. And 100%. the fact that we don't have a lot of wholesome voices, and I don't know what other word to use. Is, but is she level is, is that around okay? much more, much more material or like? Well, it's, I mean, let's see. You know, I think I need at least three A pluses before we're going to we're going to hand out. Well, let's get one. <laughs> Can I say one more thing, too? Dave, how did you not shout this out? That Abby Ryder Fortz, fuck man, Abby Ryder Fortson, who was Margaret in this movie, played. Sorry, I'm burnt again. <laughs> played fucking Cassie, whatever Lang. She, Lang in the Ant Man and the Ant Man and the Wasp, and ended up getting recast with Catherine Newton. Well, who was no, older she got, she got, yeah, was, uh, um, someone, no, they recast someone else first. And then that girl got Jesus recast. Jesus Christ, guys. That's why <laughs> I'm literally sitting the on the and IMDb. And yeah. I'm literally sitting on the IMDb page for this movie and the fucking Marvel trailers are playing on the ads. And I was like, I can't, I can't escape this shit. What the really? fuck is I'm happening? Like Dungeons and Dragons. All right, last I've thing. got fucking we Doctor should, Strange. Should, I, know, I know there's more to say, but we should wrap this up soon. And I'll just say, I'm going to shout out the other friends in the little foursome here. So obviously you have Nancy Wheeler is being played by Elle Graham. Omari Alexis Price played by Janie Loomis. Gosh, um, she was so cute, dude. So cute. She was so cute. <laughs> She's the one who came in to dance at the end. Um, Catherine Mullen Cupferer. She needs to start being in scenes with Catherine Hahn immediately as her daughter. <laughs> she needs to play Catherine Hahn's daughter immediately. She plays I mean, Gretchen. She, Gretchen she Potter. didn't have a they didn't give her a lot to do, but what she did, she really used. I agree. Yeah, yeah um, dude. Mrs. Wheeler, played by Kate McCluggage, which is great. Moose! Aiden, Moose, I, I'm sorry, dude. Aiden, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, but Moose, man, way to come through. And then, of course, Evan Wheeler, played by Landon S. Baker. Oh, I want to shout out, though, uh, Norman Fisher, played by Sims May. It's always hard to be a young role that's like kind of like shit on throughout the movie, you know, and I wonder what that does to your psyche and your ego. You were awesome if for whatever reason you're listening to this. Uh, Sims May, dude, awesome. And then Isol Young. shouting out Amari? That was her first film. Oh, oh that's, that's great, cool. dude. Well, she, she's she gonna, she's, she'll job. do more. They all what do theater debut. and stuff. She'll do good. <laughs> and then I'm going to shout out Isol Young, who plays Laura Danker, who was the 19-year-old in the sixth grade class. 
um, <laughs> who is like so much taller than everybody else. And I really feel like we go back to casting, and this is trickier to talk about, but they very clearly cast somebody who is so much older than everybody else and to stand out. And they really wanted everybody else in the audience to probably laugh about it and be like, what the fuck is this seventh grader doing in this? What, what is this ninth, tenth grader? She, she looks so much older than everybody else. Yeah, and, and then, then they, when they, they turn and around then when and they you feel that, guilty about when it. When they have that scene, they make you feel really bad. So it's really good because... casting. So thank you, Iso Young, for taking that burden on because it, it had the payoff and it was awesome. And it was so good to because see her smile scene... at the end too. Yeah. Yeah, oh because that scene, it's not just the information in the scene. I completely, their performances made me believe that they were the same age. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? Like, that's not just the idea of casting someone who's, when they actually sat down, I bet that's the scene they read together. Unlike and they were like, Shazam I believe too. that. I believe that really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Mm. Yes, sir. Well, clearly, we did not like this movie. We don't think you should go see it. We don't think you should bring your friends. We don't think you should. Yeah. Bring a group. Bring what a, what a, like everybody. Bring your daughter. Bring your son. Hell. Like, I know you can rent this movie in a couple months. It's gonna. It's gonna be on streaming very, very soon. Please go see it in theaters. It'd yeah. be really great to go see this in theaters. Yes. Go to your local cinema if you're not in a big city or if you're close. Just go to the local cinema and support them. This is this it's is this so what this fun. movie probably has going for it, right? This is playing in the heartland. Oh, Sometimes yeah. we only release movies to the cities, to the shores, to the limited, yeah. to the big city. This is probably in every and it's probably I don't know, just but I would imagine this there. is in every fucking movie this theater is, in America. This is like safe to take your kids to as well like if i were yeah, the local yeah. cinema that had like three screens yeah i'd put the big ones up in one or two and have them regularly but i would have this one playing and i'd be like people are going to show up they're going to yeah. come they're going to hear the stories yeah. and they're going to come saturday afternoon you, it's much longer you have the, yeah. three weeks in right now so yeah. go see it if you want to see it just in case it jumps out early i'm not sure when it's leaving all right well one Great. final for the road to wrap this segment up for all of us <laughs> oh. and a well-deserved one at that cheers yeah. That is our final gush alarm to play us off before we head into our final segment of the episode. What you turn the fucking alarm off, dude? <laughs> Jesus, it's not an alarm. For the final segment of our episode, what it, it fades on the record. We... we just don't hear it. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> great! Where we tell you what you've been watching in our final segment. What you been watching, Dave? We'd love to start with you. Sure. What have you been up to this week? Well, I finally saw X. Oh yeah, we talked oh, about yeah, this. I didn't even yes, share. I think I. It? It was oh, wait, after, my, my... after we recorded last week. I just sat there and got hammered. I was like, fuck work. I've, I've, Guys, I've got, I paid I've got for Showtime. Showtime. I paid yeah. for Showtime for six months because I wanted to watch X and I just forgot to cancel the fucking free trial. <laughs> no, uh... I, I actually signed up for Showtime with Paramount, which is like $2 extra because I have Paramount anyway because Star Trek. Um, and uh, yeah, I sat, I finally sat down and I watched it and I was like, this is fucking awesome. I enjoyed it so much. Um, they don't have Pearl on there yet, though, so I, I don't it's know how to see that. I want to see Pearl. Yeah, I also want to see that. And, of course, they're shooting Maxine right now. Um, yep. So it's only a matter of time. Uh, I also – what else did I watch? Oh, yeah, I followed that up with another one that looked fun from uh, the similar year, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, I almost watched it on a yeah. plane. Has anybody seen it? No, I watched Marcel. No, we should, we should I wanted to, to do it. I was, I, hoping, to yeah, it I was hoping someone could tell me when it gets good. <laughs> so we made the right I, yeah, call. Yeah, we made the fucking right call, dude. Fine. I'm 40 minutes in. One person has died, and I'm just Wait, like, well, s- just stop talking and stab someone. Fucking Is it a please. slasher? Supposedly. <laughs> okay. okay. Maybe it has somebody- a great... 
resolution. <laughs> Somebody on the Mark and Matt movie show uh, liked it. I. <laughs> I, I almost watched it. Well, I was like, I love Interna- that you do that too. international superstar Pete Davidson well, and Academy Matt, Award nominee Matt Maria Bakalova. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him what? and I could drive seven hours and go to a movie together, I guess. <laughs> Matt's also been waiting at least three weeks for coasters. Um, John, what have you been watching? I went out for drinks with some friends a couple of weeks ago and uh got into a chat about how excited this person and i were about the mission impossible coming out this this summer so this past week just for some nostalgia's sake Ooh. not that i need to see benji and the gang anymore dave benji benji benji, benji is his yeah. name the one fucking name you can come uh, up with benji yeah. is his name oh what is this fucking <laughs> take a drink i watched uh i literally just ran out so i'll just pretend to drink you know, I, you I watched um I watched um, fuck Rogue Nation, and um, I love Sean. What Harris. is four? The uh, the fourth one. Mission Impossible uh, Four. Oh, yeah. It's Ghost oh, Ghost Protocol. Protocol, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, watch those, and then I've I'm almost oh, yeah. done with Saul. I'm in I'll six right now, and I'm kind of like back sad to Mission Impossible end, Two. <laughs> that that one might be my. It's, it's the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mention again. John, I get buzzed. Yeah, John Woo, we we respect we respect your work, but. That one was not. That was not your best work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going with Saul. I'm almost done. So that's my my big thing that I've been watching, which I haven't done in a while. Film listeners, I know I usually watch movies, but I haven't watched the series in a while, and this is this was worth it. I'm enjoying it yeah. a lot. It's almost over. Nice. Okay. This so this is the final season, right? Saul and they had six seasons. Done. Saul's right? done. Yeah. Saul's done. All right. I'm coming up on it. I'm almost there. Damn it. Okay. So I um, I watched. Did I watch two movies? I, I well, I rewatched Air. As I said, I I want to. This is what happened. This is true. You went to the theater. Yeah, obviously. No, it's no. out on Amazon Prime. It's out it on now? Amazon Prime yeah. already. Oh, um, they put it on Prime. I, I yeah. thought it was quick. I, I thought it was going to wait a couple months, but I mean, they, no, they were supposed to wait longer. I, mean, I thought they, so too. They, I thought it was supposed they, to be what, like, it was three, three, three weeks. Months, but no, I thought no, it was they, be like three months. I thought it was supposed according to, be to my sources. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be. I thought they came out and said the deal. The deal they made with Amazon is that it would have time to do the long release. And well, they, they, anyway. all they needed to do was get the Academy qualifier. Isn't that amazing though? How quickly they made that decision, and then boom, it, on I mean, the streaming it, it, service. It yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. when you own the the distribution company and the like. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. So, wasn't there a law that used to stop that? Well, I guess not. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, but Jeff, how was it watching it again? Because I've kind of been wanting to watch it again too. Well, I so I wanted to go for a run, but I was hungover, so I was like, I need to get pumped up for my Did run. Did you put on your Ben Affleck tracksuit glasses uh, with the glasses Tidies, at the end, where they say that, that the Michael Jordan brand sold 160 million dollars worth of shoes Motor in the first year? No, I was way more into. Well, I finally got to rewatch the Jason Bateman scene that that I had the leak in. If you go back and listen to our air episode, and my fucking screen oh, yeah. got messed up with the leak. Um, so I was just gonna fast forward through. Did it land scenes. for you? Did that scene land for you? It was so good. It was. It was. <laughs> it was, I, so, I, good. It was so good. Yeah. It was right in the sweet spot. I was just gonna watch a couple scenes and then go for my run, and I watched the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did fast forward movie. a little bit. I, I said, but but for the most part, I, I watched like ninety percent of it again, and. Um, it, it might be the most rewatchable movie that's come out in a couple of years. It is so great. That's fair. It's, just, it's so great. It's got that touch. And with I fast think this forward, one is also you can just, really you can oh, literally go see yeah. the scene. Uh, can you imagine if There Will Be Blood like just came out right now? We would literally just go fast forward, fast forward. We would watch it in full a couple times, but we'd also have those moments. But, but it, let's say the hour five times speed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. YouTube's for now. That's what I, I did there. Um, and then I watched Edge of 17 because it's on TBS slash TNT with commercials, which by the way, I don't mind commercials because it gives me like four breaks to go pee and do whatever I want to do. So it's like, I didn't mind watching the Edge of 17 with commercials. And then I'm caught up on Emmy Dumb season. So I'm caught up on Succession and Ted Lasso and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I started Barry and I feel like there's something else. I'm up to but season I, I, two Did you Barry. start Barry? Did you start Barry because of the Smartless episode recently? No, I haven't heard Smartless yet. No, but I, I because I've seen all of Barry, and this happened with Dude. season three. With season three, did they get Bill? <laughs> he tells a couple absolutely hilarious right. stories. You gotta I, I, listen I, to I it. might wait until I've seen a couple episodes because season three, I was like, oh, is there another one? Because I love season one and two, but it's 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 not a, a typical comedy. So I was like, no. oh, do I really have it in me? So finally, after like. I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I waited like two weeks and then I was like, I'll get back into it. And then I watched the next seven episodes in like two days <laughs> because I just thought it was, I thought the way that the second half of last season, season three went was just like as good as anything I've ever seen on television. And I do not say that lightly. Wow. No, I, and I said it on this podcast Barry, season three. I'm, I'm telling you the the shots because, on, because he starts to get figured out. I'm only in season two. In season so he starts to get figured it stops out. Stops being three. kind of the gimmick, and it turns it's into funny, a, how do then, we solve this problem well, kind of show. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Ted Lasso for a second. And Ted Lasso, I love that they're. I don't love Ted Lasso, but I I love the the, the Ted storyline. The Ted storyline's good, Hovering. but then there's sometimes that I get to Ted and I'm like, get out of here because clearly you care more about the seven other plots in your shows, mm. and they're trying to give, they're trying to give everybody else their big comeuppance. And look, I'm on the socials. I see that it works for people. People are saying it's the salve that we need right now. Fine. That's totally great. I just think that- What if does you're that even have, mean? Yeah. I just think, here's what, what they're trying to do is every single character has like a conflict, which is great. And I'm glad that they're talking about this, but they're trying to get everything into one show. So this comedy has turned into a prestige drama in which every supporting character is talking about all of these societal issues. And, and in theory, I don't mind that, but they're not talking to each other like humans anymore because they're trying to get this done quickly. It's written and by when AI, I, calling it. When I see Nate, I, I have to fast forward because he's not even coaching the soccer team. I see him behind a desk just contemplating his personal ills. And I'm like, this isn't funny anymore. I, you just have to move on. Like, I'm sorry. You have all these people dealing with all these issues and, and they just they don't sound like they're talking to each other. So when I go back to something like Barry or whatever, it's brilliant. And I just, I need people to talk like they're talking to each other. That's the moral of the story. And so I watched Citadel, which is the last thing I'll say, which is... Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of contentious now, though, because it's a $300 million movie that apparently didn't pay their writers very much. Oh. So it's you're in this weird conundrum where it's like, well, they spent the money. Wait, Citadel's a movie? The it's Citadel's a series show. by it's the Russo show. brothers, right? It's yeah. a series by the Russo brothers, but they got a $300 million budget and they made six episodes. So if you do the math, each episode of television is a $50 million episode. So when these writers are like, I gotta make more than 40 grand a year, they have a fucking point because $50 million an episode is wild. But at the same time, if you watch it, you can see that they spent the money. It's not like Amazon didn't spend the money. They're just not spending it on writers who created the content. There's like six writers and they gave them whatever, but it's like the rest of it went to sets and luncheons and shit. And so it's not the fin- most fantastic show, but it's, you know, it's a spy Sits thriller. Lunches. Wow. Yeah. It's a spy thriller yeah, in which all the crafty. characters. It's, yeah. it's quite a craft service. The comp is Jason, the comp is Jason Bourne out of the for TV. Because <laughs> the comp is Jason Bourne for TV because Richard Madden and um, Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, 
um, have memory loss. They're spies with memory loss. So it, the comp is obviously ah, important. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I liked it because of that. But at the same time, it is, I understand it's, it's like a little- memento, it's, but forwards. It, yeah, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> and, and the tough thing to do is watch it now during the writer strike where you're like, oh my God, this $300 million show didn't pay enough writers. <laughs> they have the money to do these kinds of shows. And, and you the know they're not going to get paid much more and they don't get residuals with that yet. current contract so that's on that's on amazon the company that i shat all over for the first half of this episode i did not watch silo which i almost watched which is on apple tv i watched that silo yeah. and uh, i was watching the episode the just before we started recording it was i'm, it I'm still hooked i also watched a couple episodes of bridgerton season two but i'd rather not talk about some that. shit went down in the third episode i can tell you that of which show? Oh, silo. silo silo yeah episode three some shit cool. goes down well, I will Some say Maisel's shit. great this season. I really love Maisel. So for those of like, you who was, used to watch one, Maisel, keep there's talking. one shot in the silo that is so fucking subtle, and you're like, "Holy fuck, that is huge!" And they just move on, and you're like, "Is anyone going to deal with that?" Like, I'm sure hey, they'll deal with it later. This is my thing yeah. with all the Disney shows. They do this kind of shit, and then they go, "Moving on." <laughs> Are you drinking? Oh, Mando got kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have him escape because we can't have him kidnapped any longer. Come on, give us some stakes. That was a preemptive buzz. So I have a whole bag of buzzes. No, that, was, that was very. So what is the? That was very what is the before it's we leave? What, what is the best? What is because I, I like I said I haven't been watching many series recently. I'm loving Saul, so that's probably the one that I would say. But what is the best series you've watched in the past few years or whatever? Years. I feel like I've been kind of yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. watched a lot of series recently, so I feel like I'm like, kind of like things the that times. are current because I rewatched Nurse Jackie or I watched yeah. Nurse Jackie and I love that. But for current, I, I love I really do love Barry, and I understand that you have to be in the right state of mind for it because it's subversive kind of like it is, is a, a comedy, dark comedy. Yeah, yeah, but but it's it's just brilliant, and the shots that they do he's not wrong are all justified, and the way that they finally have the characters where they have the monologues, they say it like it's in a comedy, and then the other character goes, "Oh my God, you're a psychopath! I have to leave you right now." It's like, oh my god! Yeah, I feel like I about. feel like you'll really enjoy Barry. You should probably watch Barry. So for okay. me, for the comedies, yeah. I mean, White Lotus, of course, Barry. I love Mare, um, and I'm in Succession. And I was a late bloomer with Succession, I, mean, I admit, but I'm caught up in Succession. If for nothing that else, the that is the best written show. They sound like they're talking to each other, and the stakes, what people are up to, is like, I leave every episode and I go, oh my god, I have no idea what's going to happen next because I don't know what's on their mind because they're all yep. so Fuck crazy. That. Barry has Henry Winkler. <laughs> yeah. I watched That's the first okay. season of Barry and then I just stopped for, for probably no good reason. I just probably I also, didn't keep going. Okay. I love Severance season one, but Severance season thing. two is on hold. I love Severance season one. Yeah. On Apple TV. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Moving on. Thanks, good friends. Talk. Well, the, the, Thanks, everybody. Go see. Are you there? God, it's me and Margaret. Yeah. Cannot that's recommend it. it enough. See you next week, though, friends. <laughs>